Hey, good day, everybody, and thank you so much for tuning in to Total Wellness Radio, making us a part of your day. In today's episode, we catch up with Mary Collette. Mary's many on-the-ground experiences, both in client kitchens and the cooking classroom, have given her first-hand insights into the struggles and challenges faced by ordinary home cooks. A once corporate attorney, now turned healthy eating advocate. Her resources are extensive and you can catch up with her at thenewkitchen.org or email her for her newsletter, mcr at thenewkitchen.org. You'll be glad you did. So thank you as always for making Total Wellness Radio a part of your day. Sit back and enjoy this episode as we catch up with Mary Collette on Total Wellness Radio. Hey, good day, everybody, and thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Total Wellness Radio. Today, I catch up with Mary Collette, who has a quite an amazing story, at least it certainly is intriguing to me, how uh, a woman of your background and, and professional uh, career status uh, goes from being a corporate attorney turned healthy eating advocate. So, Mary, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Dan. Glad to be here. We're, we're pleased to have you on Total Wellness Radio and just kind of share with folks um, as always with my guests, I kind of like to give you some time and take all the time you need, but I'd like to have you introduce to our listeners, you know, how did you get on this path in healthy eating advocate uh, from corporate attorney and what, what brought you to this, uh, this path in life? Well, you're right. It is a pretty big jump, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I can blame my kids. I mean, don't we, as, you know, we parents, that's what we do. We blame our kids for things. Um, well, I was practicing law and on the uh, day that my child was, my first daughter was born, um, I was, that was my last day of work. And um, so after I had my children, um, and then I had a son after that, and they both got quite ill and mm. I got ill at the same time and we were just one big sick mess and I was so desperate because you know going to the regular doctor of course we got antibiotics we got this thing and you know they weren't working and so I was pretty frustrated and desperate and I went to a naturopath and this was 33 years ago which and going to a naturopath at that time was pretty unusual as you know um, and also unusual is he prescribed a gluten and dairy-free diet for us. And I just had to go on faith the day I remember I stopped feed, uh, giving my, child, my son the antibiotics and it was, it was like pretty scary, um, but it worked and we got all healthy. And we, um, I put that darn gluten and dairy-free diet into place and within a couple of months, we were really pretty healthy. And so, um, you know, that's when I got it that food matters, like really food matters. And so at that point, I think this is not unlike a lot of people in the field who have either experienced a health crisis like that, that has been healed through food, or I think in your case, wasn't it your grandfather that you watched and you had, you kind of experienced it through him. And after we've had this epiphany, you might call it, we want to share it with others. It's like, this is so amazing, you know, come on, let's get everybody on board. So I thought about how could I best contribute? And I realized that there was a lot of people out there that were talking about what we should be eating, but there were very few that talked about how they were doing that. And that's the problem that I really ran up to be, ran up against because 
here I had these two little kids underfoot and 90% of our diet was gluten and dairy. And somehow I was supposed to overnight switch us over to a gluten-free, dairy-free diet. And, you know, I'm internally grateful to my naturopath. But when it came to the implementation phase, phase, he was not much help. (laughs) In fact, it was kind of like, just do the the Nike slogan, just do it, you know? Yeah. And and, and I was desperate enough that I did just do it. But, you know, after a couple of months of this, I knew that I was not going to be able to sustain this for a while. And so, and, and, and so I realized that what I needed to do in my contribution was talk about how can I help people be able to put these kinds of diets in place and not for a month, not for two months, but for life. Mm-hmm. So after that, I went on a journey of trying to come up with tools and skills and strategies that would help people. And I went through a whole litany of things, you know, first with recipes, giving people lots of recipes. Everybody loves recipes. But they went down a black hole and never saw them again. Yeah. Um, then I developed a software program, um, a meal management software program. Oh, great. We'll put the power of technology behind us. Well, people were so clueless and, 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 and overwhelmed that even technology couldn't help them. So then I thought, well, what if we help them organize the kitchen and organize the way they go about meal making? And so I came up with a book called Take Control of Your Kitchen. And all of these are good, you know, they all are helpful, but none of them was really moving the needle. And and so the next thing I did was then just, I realized that really what we're missing, we're missing even cooking skills. We can't even cook. Um, And so then I started putting together whole kitchen cooking classes, which addressed um, the kitchen, addressed cooking, addressed recipes, addressed our mind, you know, all these different things that came together. And yet still, I just felt like something was really missing. And I know that, you know, when you think about functional medicine people, you know, we all were looking for that root cause. And mm-hmm. that's what I really had to think about. Well, I mean, I've, I've come up with all these tools and resources and skills. They're all time tested. I know they're guaranteed to work, but something was missing. And so I was, that, that's what really puzzled me and, and, and got me to where I am now. So, okay. Well, you know, you've been a, a kitchen coach, a blogger, a speaker. You've done the instructing and, and uh, uh, you, you know, your, your new book that's coming out. Let's talk about that. I'm excited because I like, I love the title, A New Eating Culture. Can you kind of expound on that for our listeners? Yeah, you betcha. And I'm, I'm glad you like that title. <laughs> yes. That's great. We'll add one more to a, a positive review of the title. Um, well, the question I explore in that book is... Why do we have so much trouble feeding ourselves well? You know, that whole question of what we should be eating, you know, that's no secret. You know, yeah, I know there's a lot of controversy and conflict about meat or no meat or, you know, sap fats are good or sap fats are bad. Okay, but bottom line, real whole foods, you know, lots of fruits and vegetables, nuts, um, you know, whole grains. If you're going to eat meat, make it clean. Um, so, so there's nothing that's that much rocket science involved with what we should be eating. 
And the other th thing I noticed is that we have so many resources to help us. This is not like at the turn of the 19th century or something. We have got the chickens already cut up, the vegetables already cut up. We've got cooking shows. We've got diet books. We've got nutrition books. We've got incredible kitchens with electric stoves. You don't have to, you know, stoke a wood stove or anything. We've got appliances. We've got gadgets, gadgets, gadgets. We're also the wealthiest, most educated group population in the history of the planet. We've got food from all corners of the world that's readily available. So I just kept getting troubled. How come we can't put this all together and get good meals on the table? And you know, meanwhile, you know, our health data, as you know, is keeps getting worse, yeah. worse and worse. Um, so that's what led me to the question that behind this podcast is, you know, is something missing from the healthy eating prescription? You know, we've had 70 years of research about how to eat. You know, are people still waiting for that one little last piece? Yes. <laughs> okay, now I'm going to do it. Now I'm going to do it. Um, but what I've realized, and should I, should I go ahead and I'll just pursue this just a little bit further? Absolutely, please. Is, yes. Uh, what I realized is that I, I had to give some, some serious consideration to what my clients and my class participants were saying. And I realized that maybe the problem isn't that we need more stuff more tools more resources problem is that our thinking has been hijacked um because what the things i would hear from clients and, and class participants is it, it was like impossibility you know i had one person come up to me after class and she had a daughter and they really wanted she really wanted to feed her her daughter her and her daughter well and I went through a number of different strategies and one after another, no, that's not, I can't, I cannot, nah. and eventually she just kind of wandered off and I could almost sense her saying, you see, it really is impossible. Mm. It's too hard. It's too overwhelming. Or, um, you know, Ellen came up, I was meeting with the nutritionist and Ellen came up to the nutritionist. She was a client of the nutritionist and was getting this big, tall gallon jug of protein powder. And I knew Ellen too, so I kind of teased her. I said, Ellen, you could also just make meals. And she said, oh, heck no. Nobody has time to cook, right? <laughs> and there's convenience. Ready-made and packaged foods are so much more convenient. Why would I take time to make my own meal? Yes. My life is so packed. I have all these other things that I have to get done. And like for women in particular, we don't want to get trapped in the kitchen like our mothers and our grandmothers. Um, and so I, I had heard all of these thinking, all these, these thoughts over all these years in my, in my work, but I kept coming up with strategies and things. And finally I realized tools and resources and strategies weren't going to solve this fundamental thinking problem. Yep. Um, this, this is, I think, rises to the level uh, a cultural problem. These are thinking level problems. They've risen to the level of culture. And that's why I'm suggesting that we need a new eating culture. <laughs> you know that you're touching on some amazing and very important pearls that we have to cover with clients on a regular basis. One of the things that I gathered from just what you shared so far is that the convenience habit, right? That people have fallen into this habit of convenience and then unfortunately, what we see clinically is that it's driven by pleasure over purpose. That people have, we've been groomed as a culture, to use your word, which is very accurate, 
We've been groomed to look at food as a pleasure uh, pursuit, not a purposeful pursuit. That what we feed the body and how we fuel ourselves is the, it equates to the, the performance that our bodies can produce and maintain and restore, rebuild, repair, heal, overcome illness, prevent future illness. All of these things are tied together. And I really feel that what you're touching on is you know, the breaking that convenience habit and then really positioning people to change their mindset culturally that the purpose of food is for performance, not pleasure. Not that performance foods can't be pleasurable. Okay, they can. Absolutely, we can make great choices that are performance driven, that are you know nutritionally driven. The whole food, real food approach obviously is is the best way to go. And I hope that you'll be able to kind of address some of that, you know, in breaking the habit and getting away from pleasure versus per- uh, performance. Well, I think you're absolutely right. And what I think it might be helpful for people to understand is that we've been programmed, or you might say indoctrinated (laughs) around this. I call it the convenience eating culture. That's how I describe the culture that we are immersed in today. And I think it might help people to understand and realize that we have been programmed that way. Um, There's a really fascinating book that opened my eyes to this. It's called Something from the Oven by a food historian, um, uh, Laura Shapiro and she documents what happened after World War II and at that point in time we had um, it was the end of World War II we had this huge mobilization around lots of things but one of them was food we had to make these K rations to keep the soldiers on the front line fed after World War II what do we do with that huge capital investment well, we repurpose it to feed consumers. Wouldn't, you know, the, the, the industry thought, well, sure, consumers would love to have these ready made foods. Mm-hmm. In fact, they tasted awful, and women did not appreciate having somebody come in with basically K rations at their table. <laughs> so they rejected them. Um, and so the industry went back to the table and they did a lot of reformulating. And they also then, Um, took advantage of this new consumer psychology um, discipline that was just arising and taking root at that time. And as we know, what marketing, consumer psychology is basically modern marketing. We know what it's good for is convincing people to do things that they wouldn't otherwise do. Mm -hmm. And make them do things and buy things that they don't want and they don't need. Yep. And, and, And so what's sad is that over a number of years and actually... It's been over 70 years that the content has changed with time, but over 70 years, we've now had this concerted, very deliberate campaign to convince us that one, um, that these wonderful convenience foods are the way to go. And the interesting thing about it is that we all know about the fact that they've formulated these products and they've marketed them away to basically get us addicted. You know, there's great books out on that, you know, fat, sugar, salt, um, supersized meat, things like that. Mm -hmm. The fact, though, that we didn't know, and which is what I hope to impress on people, is that at the same time that they were trying to convince us to get addicted to this, they were also trying to convince us that cooking itself, the kitchen, it's all old-fashioned, dowdy, tiresome, tedious. So voila, if it's that way, then you don't want to cook. You want to just get these convenience foods. And, you know, and, and, and what's interesting is that 
you know, at the time in the 50s when all this started, 50s and 60s, women, because they were the ones doing the kicking back then, they didn't really think that they were pressed for time to get these meals done. They, they kind of liked to cook. Mm-hmm. But like I say, you know, marketing is really good at making us think that, no, you don't really like to cook. And sadly enough, over the years, we've had this, this is the culture that's been um, inculcated in us. And a big part of that is convenience. Yep, you need to go to con- for convenience because your lives are so busy that you must do this. And the end game of this is that I call it, it's they've slammed the back door shut. So let's say we've got these wonderful books like Supersize Me that show us that we're addicted to these foods. Well, there's an easy remedy. Nobody's holding a gun to our heads. Yes. Go to the store, buy some real whole foods and make them. But the industry's really clever. They've slammed the back door shut because they have denigrated the kitchen, devalued it to the point where we don't want to spend time there. Yeah. And so we're trapped. And and so and you, you know, you're you're talking about your clients, they're trapped in this convenience eating um, culture. And so that's why I keep saying is that yeah, it's a bankrupt and it's a rotted culture and we need to replace it. <laughs> so that's about the only thing we can do. Yep, I totally agree. And as you, you know, with your uh, writing and the and the books that you provide people, as you, you know, break them out of these old convenience habits, mindsets, and get over, you know, taste and start pursuing, you know, per- performance and purposeful eating and enjoyable eating, share with your listeners uh, some of the, you know, you've got a, the, the kitchen smart strategies. I love that. Um, can you share like maybe two or three pearls from your kitchen smart strategies section just for the listeners? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this was this was part of like all the strategies I came up with because I absolutely this is what I had to do when I faced that two month mark. And it's like, am I going to be able to continue making meals like this and feeding my family like this? And so I had to take a serious stock of how did I have my my cooking environment set up? And so, you know, for, for instance, my pantry was a disaster. I had it filled with gluten and dairy type of foods. And so when I bought like alternative grains or some spices that we could use to flavor our foods, where do I put them? Well, these alternative grains were all stuffed up on a top shelf in little plastic bags. And every time you wanted to get one down, they all came down and you have to sit through them, find the one you want. Now, how if you're a busy mom, how are you going to? You know, is that going to work for you? No, you're not going to, it's not going to work for you. I know that like with recipes, I just had an entire counter covered with all my recipes trying to find some that would work. Is that going to work? No. And probably the biggest thing that I had to learn to do was plan my meals. And, you know, I never wanted to plan my meals because that's what my mother did. And I was a corporate attorney. We don't plan our meals. <laughs> but I quickly learned, yes, there was a reason my mother planned her meals. With six kids, she had to, she couldn't dawdle at the grocery store. And she had to know exactly what she was going to make. She had to have the right ingredients, which is just what we want to do. If we want to transition, you can't walk into the kitchen at 6 o'clock and have nothing better planned. What are you going to do? You're going to yeah. die off of pizza. You're going to make the same old thing. You're going to get something out of the freezer. So if, if I had to, in fact, I don't have to choose this. I have to absolutely know, and I tell people this all the time, if there's one thing that you want to do to make meal making easier, plan your meals ahead. And But the problem with that is 
if you don't value meal making itself, all these strategies of, of getting a, a good pantry together, of having your recipes organized, planning your meals, you're not going to do that. I know because I've worked with people all these years because they don't have a fundamental value of, of meal making. Um, and I think I'm trying to remember the words you used that, that, that we're doing this so that we can get this wonderful performance out of our bodies. Mm-hmm. As well as, and I will say, pleasure is huge. Let's do have pleasure. But you've got to understand that it's not just, okay, have a dozen um, chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. It's, it's making, making and eating those meals that will lead to our long-term health. Yeah, that's so important. And, and for the listeners, uh, Mary, would you please uh, let people know how they can get uh, some of your resources because – you, you did not include for me uh, like a link. And I like to do shameless plugs. I really do. I want people to know how to get these resources in their homes, in their hands quickly. So do you have a website or, or an area that we can send our listeners to? Yes, absolutely. My website is thenewkitchen.org because I'm a nonprofit and I'm dedicated to creating a new view of the kitchen, one that values and honors and respects the kitchen and the daily act of making our meals. So go to thenewkitchen.org and there, one of the best things you can do is sign up for my newsletter because each week, every 10 days, I come up with a newsletter that continues to offer people inspiration and strategies, but all with the objective of helping us shift to a new paradigm around meal making. And you know, Dan, for your listeners too, I've got um, a little free handout. So if people want to email me at mcr at thenewkitchen.org. MCR, my initials, Mary Collette Rogers. If they want to email me there, I can get them this little packet that has 10 quick tips to get healthy meals on the table fast. Lots of good ideas there. Plus, it has some recipes, but not many because I don't want to overwhelm anybody. Sure. Just no, that's great. Quickly. you got to promise to make them if you get them. <laughs> um, the other thing it has is some of ideas it's got a quiz number one to help you understand and explore whether am i do i have some thoughts that are blocking me from healthy eating success um is my thinking need to get some revisions to it and then the third thing that it has is some ideas of what a new eating culture would look like for instance cooking the word cooking has a lot of baggage a lot of people would kind of get repulsed by that or overwhelmed or stressed and so what we do is we place that in a new eating culture with just meal making so that that gives you the ability that maybe you can't cook a whole meal but you can put together a a nice meal salad or you can make a really wholesome sandwich or if you you know pizzas you can make a really healthful pizza um we talk a little it talks a little bit about four quick tips for how you can deal with kitchen chaos and have kitchen calm when you go in to make your meals and dealing with cooking boredom and and rethinking how we think about cooking as you know yeah it takes effort i'm not saying it's easy that you just you can just uh, that it's nothing it takes effort but that effort produces amazing results for your body, for yourself. So let's not, let's stop having the convenience eating culture convince us 
that there is truth to the saying that cooking is a silly, old-fashioned thing. Wait a minute, that's not true. It's absolutely not true. Look at all the other cultures around the world yes. that do this, you know, and they treasure it. And yes. that's what we can be too. Your upcoming book, A New Eating Culture, two quick questions. When can that we expect the release of the book and how can our listeners get a copy? Well, it's in the first draft still. <laughs> so just going to be a little while, huh? It might be a bit. But if you're on my newsletter, mcr at thenewkitchen.org, um, I'll get you on my newsletter. And believe me, anybody who's on my newsletter, you will find out as soon as that book hits the press. So That's wonderful. wonderful. That's wonderful. We'll be sure when we do our, our post our notes and our show notes for today's episode, we'll be sure and include all that So and encourage people to join your newsletter. Can you say that one more time, the email that they would join your newsletter at? MCR, those are my initials, Mary Collette Rogers, at thenewkitchen.org. Excellent. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. You know, one of the things that uh, I was going to mention, just because it's just fascinating to me when I found this out, I was blown away. We have five McDonald's in Wyoming, in Cheyenne, in a population that the corporate McDonald's, and when you mentioned supersize me, it reminded me of, you know, Morgan Spurlock's. You know, self-documentary of eating McDonald's nothing for 30 days and the horrendous journey that that put him on with his health. And in our, our population here in Cheyenne, supposedly, they only are, are supposed to have three McDonald's. And they have five, uh, unfortunately. And their revenue is going to be between 25 and $28 million just this year alone. I am just was mind-blown when I heard that. But also, it certainly does indicate, as you mentioned, culture, the convenience culture and the way people have been programmed, indoctrinated to eat, uh, quick, fast, simple, easy, not so affordable anymore, though, but they're still pumping their resources into eating these types of foods that are really just super detrimental to their health, that affects their emotions, it feeds every known illness you can think of uh, that a person can have, from insomnia to body aches to diabetes to coronary heart disease and and yet we're still as a, as a culture pumping millions of dollars into these into these these food outlets is just mind bending to me and you know it can sound so big to create a new eating culture <laughs> but i think it's important for us to remember that a culture belongs to the population yes we want a culture that has been developed by corporate interests that are interested only in their profits and so it can seem really big for us to do this, but we are entirely empowered to do it and entitled to do it. And, you know, even if you, I hope everybody, all your listeners will join this. But in the meantime, and we'll get to a point of a new culture. But in the meantime, if you just change the culture in your house, in your kitchen, in your conversations with other people, don't let them drag you down the McDonald's path. Yeah. Don't let them drag you down. Oh, this is so awful. This is so tedious. No, talk about it in other terms. You know, we can we can start um, incubating this culture right starting today. Well, I'm so pleased that you and I met cross paths. Promise me we'll do this again, especially when the book is released. Oh, absolutely. This is fun. I yes. love doing this. Oh. <laughs> For all the listeners, be sure and join the newsletter at mcr at thenewkitchen.org. As we get ready to wrap up our episode here today, Mary, thank you so much again for being my guest. 
And if you have some parting words of encouragement or some other things that you'd feel strongly about sharing with our listeners, let's, let's be sure and capture that today. I think the one other thought I wanted to bring up is that, you know, a lot of people are excited by this blue zones um, and the Mediterranean diet. And, you know, they're, they're examining what did they eat? What kind of a lifestyle did they have? What kind of exercise? What kind of socialization? You know what I have not seen in any of it is how, what, how are they going about making these meals? Who's doing the cooking? What is the value there? Because, you know, those fava beans and the greens and the fish and all the good things that they're eating, they don't just land on the table automatically. Somebody is there cooking them, preparing them with love and with care. Mm-hmm. And they have a culture that supports that. So I think if we're excited about the blue zones at all, let's also get excited about the culture that supports the cooks in those families and bring that into our own lives. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. I couldn't have said it better. Thank you so much. Again, Taking Control of Your Kitchen was your first book, correct? Yes, right. And that's available. And that's at your website? Right. Thenewkitchen.org. Everybody, please be sure... Visit Mary Collette's uh, website. Do sign up for her newsletter. Uh, Just a wealth of information. Thank you so much for mentioning the handout uh, that our new subscribers to your newsletters will receive uh, to kind of get kind of prime the pump with some wonderfully proven ideas uh, taken from your uh, kitchen smart strategies section. I I love the wording. I love what you're about. Uh, I appreciate you so much what you're doing. It's so desperately needed. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to say uh, here in the episode, I'm glad to be adding you as one of our resources to all of our okay. clients here in Cheyenne and for those that subscribe to Total Wellness Radio. Oh, well, Dan, thanks for having me. This is really fun and I'm happy to come back anytime you want. We will do it again in the near future. So thank you again. You bet. For Mary Collette, this is Dan Young here in Cheyenne, Wyoming, signing off for this episode of Total Wellness Radio. Thank you as always for tuning in and making us a part of your day. That's going to do it for this episode of Total Wellness Radio. Thank you so much for making us a part of your day. Remember, if you are a practitioner in the healing arts and would like to have your own interview on Total Wellness Radio, please reach out to me, 307-631-5300. That's 307-631-5300. Send me a text message, your name and your modality, and let's get you scheduled to be on an upcoming episode of Total Wellness Radio.